Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer SC. I'm Isop Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Still on tour. Yeah, how's how's the tour going? It's amazing. It's amazing. So this will be tonight, um, well, recording this in advance of uh, the celebration of the launch of In the End, It's All About Love, uh, Little Porton Street, The Social Tonight, um, with my third, third event in four days. And I'm absolutely loving it, to be honest. It's so much fun. So much fun. Are you ever coming back? <laughs> Not unless I, love, I find love, Ryan. No, no, no. I'll oh. come back. To it. I'll come. <laughs> listen. Listen, you asked a serious question. No, Maybe I didn't. Did. No, I didn't. <laughs> I absolutely didn't. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, so you've been a busy bee. You know who else has been busy? Football's been busy. Football has been doing the most. The most is so extra. <laughs> Anyway, let's do some admin before we cover the football. So obviously, hope everyone's staying safe and well and getting vaccinated if you can. Righty's House will be up on Wednesday. Uh, Jeanette and Mayoa are in the diary for this week. Should have some pieces going up on the site this week as well, ringer.com forward slash soccer. I might write a thing on Freiburg. Oh, okay. Yeah, go for it. Good vibes. <laughs> that's that's Good usually vibe. the response that most people say. Okay, okay. They deserve Good some props, you. actually. They deserve Good some for props. You. They really do, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But yeah, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Obviously, all the music we play out with each episode in a Spotify playlist. Just search for Stadio Outros. Newest ones at the top. I think that's everything. So today, we're going to cover all the football. We're going to talk about Manchester United-Liverpool. We're going to talk about a couple of other Premier League games. We'll also talk about El Clasico. We'll talk about Marseille-PSG. We'll talk about the Derby d'Italia. We'll talk about Ajax-PSV. We'll talk about... Atleti, Real Sociedad, and then we'll probably do a quick Bundesliga shout at the end. My goodness. There was a lot of football. Better get into it, Musa. The clock is ticking. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, 
pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man, to Old Trafford. Manchester United nil, Liverpool five. First, yeah, first hat-trick by an opposition player at Old Trafford in the Premier League era. First Liverpool hat-trick since 1936 against Manchester United. Actually, wait, I thought Dirk Kout got one. No, oh, at, first, at, Old, at Old Trafford. Yeah, at Old, Old Trafford, Trafford. Yeah, at Old Trafford. There were stats galore coming out from this game. Red card for Paul Pogba. Why are you jumping ahead there? Ha ha ha. Come on. Graham Sooness. You can tell you're not a producer. Let's start at the beginning. Manchester United probably had their best opportunity before any Liverpool goal had been scored. This happens a lot in thrashings though. We've said yes, this before. Yes, you do. You, this is your, yeah, this is your theory, isn't it? Always a huge chance before thrashing. It was probably United's best chance, right? Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, yeah. Went for power as opposed to placement. What, a minute later? Was it a minute later? It, was, it wasn't far off. About a minute and a half, a couple minutes later, yeah, yeah. Liverpool had the ball in the back of the net, which was a lovely move, actually. Naby Keita, goal machine. But the, the scary thing was how easily everything opened up. And the weird thing about United in this game, and just generally the first half in particular was, they actually won individual confrontations pretty well. Like one-on-ones, actually, people like Tom and A dispossessed pretty well. They actually quit themselves. But it was the spacing. It was the spacing. The moment Manchester United were required to actually coordinate defensive action, there was nothing to coordinate. There was no... People defended in isolation. The most damning indictment of Manchester United's first half was that Luke Shaw, who has frequently like England's best player in a defensive system, was absolutely in disarray because he was covering a huge amount of ground. Mm. If you've ever seen a left back should never be more central than one of the centre backs. When you've got a left back more central than one of the centre backs, it is red alert time. And Luke Shaw was clearly just covering. I mean, goodness knows when he was looking ahead of himself, he must have been seeing a vacuum. He must have been seeing three or four phases of play just completely open because the amount of ground, and there was two goals in particular you could describe. You look at him. He's stumbling across, he collides with Maguire, but it's because he's literally covering defensive midfield space, left flank and centre-back. It's just an absolute, absolute mess. It was a mess from United, but I think Liverpool, right, there was a weird thing afterwards because I thought that, um, I thought Liverpool were good. And I think that... They were good, they were very they, good. They, were, they weren't at their best, obviously, but they, they, I thought that that was kind of the point. For example, they obviously went 2-0 up, two great goals, really well worked. But then, actually, the period after the 2-0 was the bit I found quite impressive in a way because Liverpool were clearly better than Manchester United, but they had a couple of wobbles defensively leading up to the 2-0. Mm. And they just kind of, like, consolidated a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's when they started to shut United down, and United didn't really have much during that period. They had that Mason Greenwood chance, right? I think, yeah. which was it came at 2-0. But that was from the edge of the box, and... Had a good Rashford effort as well. Rashford had a good effort. I think Rashford, it, yeah. Rashford had one, but again, from outside the box, right? It went wide. So Manchester United didn't really create too much after that 2-0. And then Liverpool just um, kind of slowly turned the screw again, got the third and then got the fourth just before half time. And um, I think that was the game management for me was the thing that was super impressive about Liverpool because they were amazing in midfield, but then they lost Milner 
Then Curtis Jones comes in and just comes in and runs it. Just it's just like not like for like, but plug and play this Liverpool squad at the moment. Actually, he gave them. He was even more progressive in terms of like the way he plays and yeah, yeah, yeah. where he receives position. You know, he, when he got kicked by Ronaldo, Ronaldo was maybe lucky. Ronaldo Ooh. got Ronaldo got a that yellow is what you call an amber. That is a strong amber. That can mm, very a yellow and a half. If he had basically made contact with his body uh, apart from the ball, that's a red. I think it was the intense only, there, though. It's really really matter, the, the only, when I first saw it, I was like, that looked like a red. And he knows what the, he's doing. The VAR era actually saved Ronaldo there because the VAR era made them look at, because, you know, they, maybe they didn't want to give a red in that game, but you look at that, well, they gave one to Pogba, but um, at that point, maybe they didn't want to give one, but I looked at it and thought, the intent makes that a red. I thought he was lucky. The, I thought he was very lucky. The intent gave, gave that, made that a red, I would have thought. And I think he knew as well because he just sheepishly walked away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would Although, have been... to be the, honest, when you have like, when you, when you do something like that on Curtis Jones and then all of a sudden you've got Virgil van Dijk bearing yeah. down on you. Yeah, you leave the scene. Ready, ready you leave have, the scene very quickly. You're just a bit like, mm. yeah. oh, you're not hanging around for that. Yeah. No one wants any parts of that. You get Curtis Jones and van Dijk is approaching. Mm. You just, but yeah. also Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson loves a, or Andrew Robertson, DJ Andrew Robertson. Loki nails. Little, that's Loki yeah, nails as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah he no was pass. out of there. He bounced. Like when you, when you're kind of looking around and it's only really like Bruno Fernandes, who we, we're, we're fans of Bruno Fernandes, but you know, he's not exactly the most jacked guy in the world. Put it this way Ronaldo making a quick getaway when watching Van Dyke Robertson approach is the most relatable thing I think he did all game. That, I found that extremely relatable. <laughs> they obviously had the goal disallowed in the second half which was again kind of the classic if that had counted that would have just been like the classic Manchester United thing of however long I'm kind of a I'm struggling to think of new ways to to talk about Manchester United to be honest but um, or that this was like Germany Brazil let's talk about it that way this was Germany Brazil uh, it would have been if you if Liverpool hadn't have like just completely taken their foot Is off the, the gas for the last well actually that was also, there's also an it. element yeah there's also an element of that in the sense of like they played within themselves in that semi Germany against Brazil, still dominant. And they only really raised it at the end. They were like, yeah, we've got to get a couple more goals. But they fundamentally did just control the game after that. And Klopp was fascinating. His body language. First goal went in, he did like four or five fist pumps. I was like, is he like <laughs> foreshadowing the scoreline? And then just before half time, when he's just smiling, he's like under control. You just see it. You're like, okay, easy street. This is calm. Mm. looking at the next game, don't exert ourselves, don't bust the gut, it's three points. And then you're like, that's almost worse because it's like, these are not, these are not the challenges. It's like one of those movies where someone's trying to like kill the hero and they defeat the bodyguard in the doorway and don't even kill the bodyguard because they're like, you're not even, you're not the main target. And when but Manchester United are not the main target for Liverpool, this no, was really, really about, not. this was a high pressure game could have come away with some really bad injuries. You know, it wasn't, wasn't the best of injuries actually for Liverpool, but it was almost like manage ourselves, don't get caught up in it. You know, and, and also it was almost like about making a statement. There is actually something quite- well, Are you going to say statement victory? Well, there, there's a power move. There's a power, <laughs> there's a power move in not going full on off half time. There's a power move in that. Mm. Keep the clean sheet. That would have been a priority, I would have thought. More than an extra goal. Yeah, Klopp the clean loved, sheet is very yeah, symbolic. Klopp, Klopp loved the 5-0 the more than he would have loved a 6-1 much more yeah I agree yeah, yeah. or a 7 uh, obviously yeah. Mo Salah getting the the fifth for his hat trick he is absolutely locked in he's now the highest highest goal scoring African in Premier League history I mean it's light work for him his touch is just the finish for the second goal 
when he just lifts it over David David De Gea, just lifts it. It's just so smooth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's amazing, man. He's amazing, yeah. and like we said before, like he's probably on form, on current form, like the best player in the world. Like I, I think don't that's think that's right. a massive. Not, I don't I, think that's a shout. There's no one who's close at this point in, in this particular point in terms of mm. like the, the the form he's in. There's one thing as well about this game that's so striking. It had the worst possible matchup. Salah coming in from the right, United's weaker side defensively because of the lack of help Shaw was getting. So that United's weaker side against Liverpool's strongest, you just can't compete with that. Worst possible matchup. There was quite a symbolic contrast in approaching to pressing, I think, which, which oh, basically goodness. I think oh, highlighted of all of the of course the issues around Manchester United at the moment. But also I want to focus on the Liverpool side of it first because there's a really interesting thing in pressing. There was an example of it being executed to perfection, which is everyone, you mentioned it earlier a little bit to do, to do with spacing. So everyone's kind of like the front three, Jota, Firmino, Salah are kind of in good positions, but the midfielders behind them are also approaching good positions. And there's one thing where I think Cater tucks up a tiny, tiny bit, which almost acts as like a trigger for Jota to go. Mm. And Jota, Jota then acts as the trigger for everyone else to then almost like engage. Yeah. And that was such a perfect example of, of, of how a press should work because it's actually, you know, pressing relentlessly is a huge waste of energy because nine times out of 10, there would be one piece out of place and it just doesn't work. But yes. you're better kind of like shepherding and managing, which yes. can often be confused with stepping off. And it's not actually, it's all part of the press. Like Liverpool did it perfectly a couple of times where there were a couple of examples where Cater acting as the second line, then nips in and wins the ball back for Liverpool. The one with United in the first half where Bruno Fernandes is just like running around on his own, kind of like a... Do you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember, do you remember that like uh, massive viral meme of that guy running through... It might be Hyde Park or Richmond Park or something like that. And he's lost I've his not dog. Seen I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Oh, Fenton. So, Fenton. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Fenton. Fenton. Like Fernandes on his own for no reason whatsoever. It may look good or it may get some cheers or it may get you. Uh, but it drags everyone out of position and it doesn't, and you're going by yourself. So yeah, everyone could just play around you. It doesn't help. It completely doesn't help. And it, and it, and it shows you how, that was a prime example of the two approaches from Liverpool and Manchester United, I think. If anyone needed any more evidence to see it, I think that was, that was a major example. And it's actually a damning indictment on United and Solskjaer's coaching in particular, because if you have a player who has, who has that level of intensity, who's ready to do that. You've got McTominay. McTominay was winning the odd individual duel and Financh has the energy to press. If you've got players in your squad with the defensive willingness to do that and you can't press better, that is a coaching issue at a certain point. It's not like you have a lack of people in that forward line with the exception of Ronaldo, whose pressing issues aren't, well, he doesn't press. Um, but if you've got people in your forward line or, or, or attack who are willing to do that work, need to do a better job of marshalling them. And some say, you know, you know, Bruno Fernandes is chaotic. Well, yes, but that's also on the manager. That's what you allow someone to be. Um, and I think, again, like a really damning indictment. We talk about Pogba. Pogba was on the bench for this game. And put it this way, in a yeah, huge game, in a huge game, does Didier Deschamps bench Pogba? No, he doesn't because he knows he can get out of Pogba in a big game. And if you can't get anything out of Paul Pogba in a big game, yes, it's on Pogba, but it's also on you. It's really, really on you. In my um, he didn't have the best game when he came on, though. He got um, lost he the ball doesn't in do well midfield for Liverpool. the fifth, right? Doesn't do well against Liverpool, does he, Pogba? Henderson's pass oh my God. for Salah's hat-trick goal. 
Oh my god! Was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Unreal. Like, genuinely, like doesn't, genuinely does not get unreal. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like to execute that at that moment in time with that game state, with how the pit, like how the field is kind of Sensational. spread, Sensational. and the ball is kind of under his foot a little bit as well. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's Jonas Hoffman. You know the Jonas Hoffman one. It was it in the Champions League. Yeah. Gladbach it was a similar yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, the Jonas Hoffman one and also the Paul Pogba one many years ago I think it's Anderlecht it's a similar thing when the ball just goes curves on the ground like a Varon one very very difficult to execute that especially the outside of the right foot the f- funny thing I was doing a conversation the other day with um, Ivan from La Victoire and uh, we were talking about just like it was more about the creative process behind Stadio and Writer's House and stuff like that and I was trying to find an analogy of like basically you know you and writing and all of the all the people are kind of like the they're the kind of start, you know, the stars of the show. And I'm oh, kind of please, like, I hear you. No, oh, listen, chest, and I was just like, chest. oh, I'm kind of like the Henderson. But then I realized halfway through that that was actually bigging myself up, like really big. And then this conversation is going to come out after he's dropped a pass like that. And I'm going to look like a right arrogant bastard. Henderson. Henderson. <laughs> Ryan Henderson. Um, You're going to be really angry then because I gave you a lot of praise on stage uh, yesterday. Oh, well, and I, I knew that's really going to annoy you because I'm like, yeah, Ryan can't stop it. And it got live streamed. So actually there was a lot what? of praise there. Yeah, it got live streamed. So you can't control that narrative. And there were stadio listeners in the audience and they were laughing because oh, they knew they knew what it was. Hey. Anyway. <laughs> um Pogba comes on, gets dispossessed for the goal, gets the red. Um you said that they didn't want to send anyone off in this game. Anthony Taylor originally booked him, then went to VAR and overruled it. It was a really nasty challenge, this. Yeah, yeah. Um one of those that happens quite often in that kind of position in a game like that, if that makes sense, that kind of overrun, a little bit leggy. He's not been on the field, what, he'd been on the field a quarter of an hour by that point, coming at halftime. But I haven't seen any injury updates from Naby Keita, but he got taken off and it looked bad. And that's really bad because he's been in a good reign of form, actually. He, he has been playing really well recently, but... um. Just not a, it's just not a good tackle at all from Pogba. I find him actually such a confusing player. I, 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 I can't... A player with such a huge divergence in performance between national mm. team and... I, it's really... It's just genuinely quite strange, to be honest. At this point. I mean, if Manchester United do get a new coach in soon, which I'm not 100% convinced they will, he's a key player, I think, who you, it would be interesting to watch in terms of how they would change under, under a, an actual, like, coach-coach. Hmm. Um, anything else you want to cover from this game? No, I think we're good. I think, yeah, but also just, uh, just full credit to Liverpool. Like, you know, they weren't, they weren't at their best. But actually, I think, if you look at them now, if you look at Liverpool a year ago and a year now, like, problems all fixed, new players integrated. Obviously, you know, Harvey Elliott uh, injury is just absolutely gutting. But in terms of the integration of new players into the team, well, or newer players, just absolutely great. And the machine is running smoothly. The machine is running really smoothly. So yeah, shout out to them. Yeah, I think this is probably, I think with the pieces that can come in this time, I, I, I think this, this is potentially a better side than the, than the one that won the league, potentially. Yeah, that's fair. More options, more, more choices, better pieces. Yeah, because I think that the players that you, they can bring into this side now to replace, you know, like when a Milner goes out and a Curtis Jones comes in, um, you know, Diogo Jota, they can, they can, they can keep Mane on the bench. For and they can create different United. kinds of problems. You know yeah, I mean? they can create different kinds of problems. That's what I love about it. Yeah, they can. You know? um, 
I'm not sure I mean, if I, I'm not sure if I, if I, if I totally believe that they are a better, I think they're probably a better outfit overall. Also consider how everyone else has caught up. Consider how Chelsea have caught up and, 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 and City. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just think this is a, this is just an unbelievable era of, uh, for Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, yeah. And Klopp's ability to renew, mm. I have absolutely no doubt, no doubt in Klopp's ability to renew. And even after like, if, seeing how, how long Klopp wants to go on with Three his years, forward right? line, I've, I've got no doubt, I've got no doubt that, you know, Mane and Salah start aging. I don't have any doubt in his ability to renew the front line either, actually. Mm. And Firmino, I think he's just that good. But just yeah, that I good. think Liverpool was so good that they didn't need to be at their best. And I think that is actually the thing that was most impressive about it. And I know yeah. we've talked about Man United's issues all along and we can talk about the same thing over and over again if you want. But I think that, you know, even though Manchester United are a, a curious football club, not a lot of teams will go and do this to them. No, no, absolutely not. And, it, uh, you know, it's interesting now that I think two of Manchester United's five worst Premier League defeats have come under Solskjaer and they've both been at home. I think they're the, the two, two of the three worst home defeats in the Premier League era have both come under Solskjaer. Yeah. 6-1 at Spurs, 5-0 this weekend, and obviously the other one was the 6-1 against Manchester City under Ferguson. Good times for Liverpool, not so good for United. But yeah. Yeah, Liverpool stay second. Um, obviously, Chelsea top after hammering Norwich 7-0 on Saturday. Mason Mount with his first hat-trick for Chelsea. Yeah, great finishing. Norwich were just, again, Norwich was so poor. I mean, Norwich, they're not going to learn, I don't think. And I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to stay up. It was kind of like everything that could go wrong for Norwich kind of went wrong, especially with the, when Krul saved the penalty and then they come off the line and they had to retake it. Own goals, red cards, penalty saves, then had to be retaken. It was proper like bad day bingo. There is also something about Chelsea at Stamford Bridge when they're on though, and it's just like a tidal wave. Yeah, that, mm. That's just been away for years. I know that Norwich didn't have the best day, but there are some days when Chelsea just well, yeah, I mean, absolutely... They've, they've done it and to this Arsenal was, a number of times. This was very cathartic for them as well. They needed mm. a goal rush. Uh, you know, it's really interesting and symbolic that Ben Chilwell has been scoring more than some of the forward line recently. I think that's quite interesting in terms of... It's symptomatic about how people are occupying Chelsea high at the pitch and the ones that are scoring are the breaking runners, the ones from late. I remember playing one game, my sort of box stand at amateur level, when... I was playing against one team and uh, our coach said they occupy the strikers so well that the only goals are coming from midfield. He was like, the strikers will not score today because they're going to pin you so well. And I think the thing with Chelsea is because people are like really resistant and good at pinning them high up, they're relying mm. on goals from breaking runners, which is why Mason Mount, like what he does, his ability to break is, is absolutely vital. So yeah, great to see him scoring. Callum Hudson-Odoi as well in the score sheet. One thing yeah. to remember as well, before I forget, this is jumping us another game, but only because you mentioned the penalty. Um, incident with Krul. I've never seen a goalkeeper as heartbroken as Emmy Martinez when he saved that penalty against Arsenal. Do you know what I love about that? I love the intensity he brings to this. Like, head in his hands. Yeah, I mean, that was, a, his... that was a lot though, to be fair. That but was, it was a, a lot. But just like, I just like, was like, it was a sensational save. It was a sensational save. I think Emmy Martinez is like, you don't, <laughs> there's the only player, you, the only player you'd want to face less, I think, in a shootout is probably Donnarumma at this point. But Emmy Martinez. Yeah. And the thing is that Aubameyang got scored the rebound by scuffing it and it kind of just looping up over Martinez yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Arsenal were good, man. Arsenal were they good. Were, that was a, that's were. the first time Arsenal beaten Villa in four. Smith-Rowe's um, delivery is beautiful. And it's the well. first time they scored against Villa 
in four as well. They had three. They had a run of three straight games where they lost to Villa and didn't score a single goal. Good match so like that. it's a really, really good win for Arsenal. Much needed and nice what spread of goals. A few days makes you know nice spread of goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's do some shout outs because we've got loads to move on to. So I was going to shout out Arsenal, but you've already shouted them out for me. I'd like to shout out Watford, who scored oh, yeah, wow. four goals in thirteen minutes to uh, beat Everton five two at Goodison. Joshua King, um, no muted celebrations at all. Doesn't care. That's old club. <laughs> um, shout out to Man City. That's a very good win against Brighton. A very, they very good win. Brilliant. That was, a, that was a big like raised eyebrow emoji when I saw that result go through because I didn't watch the game live, watched it back and I was just like, huh. They defeated the, XG, the based XG gods. That's... Really interesting, yeah. City are intense. They're intense. I mean, City are amazing. And you know what? I thought Jack Grealish was really good. Him and Foden linked up really, really well. And that's just a really... That's... Yeah, Brighton this season, I think if, 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 if a side goes to Brighton and wins 4-1, that's a, that's, that's a kind of like a, a low-key statement victory. I if think. you'd gone back two years, a year and a half ago, and someone said, City's most dangerous attackers would be Grealish and Foden, You'd have been mm. like, what? People would have looked to you like you were actually being weird. Mm. That's the yeah. speed at which Guardiola is, is able to evolve his attack. It's kind of amazing, actually. It is amazing. Yeah. More props to David Moyes and West Ham. Great victory for them. Yeah. May, yeah. They're beating Spurs 1-0. Quarter of the season basically gone and West Ham are fourth. Absolutely incredible. Let's also shout out. Might sound weird, but I want to shout out Brentford, even though they lost 2-1 to Leicester. But first of all, I want to shout out Yuri Tillemans. Absolute wonder goal. And then in the, the pre-assist for, for Madison's goal as well was unbelievable. Yes. It was so good. It was so good. So good. Actually, what I'll say as well about this, uh, this whole thing, Madison's celebration to the crowd, the hush celebration, what must they have been saying? My first thing was like, oh, you haven't scored for like 20 odd games, like, you know, or a while, whatever it was. That's a big deal for you. But the hush celebration must have been like, they must have been saying a lot. Mm. They must be Leicester saying got, a lot. Leicester got away with one here. Um, and Thomas yeah, yeah. Frank said, said it after the game. He, he had this amazing post-match interview where he was just like, we absolutely smashed them in the first half. Like, Doesn't everyone get away with it at Brentford these days? Really? He's so impressive. You compare Thomas Frank and Brentford to Daniel Farker and Norwich. And it's strange from Norwich because obviously Farker's been here before. Mm. I know that the clubs may have different ambitions or different approaches and they're very differently run clubs. And, you know, Norwich actually getting into Premier League, banking the money, going back down mm. to the Championship, having fun in the Championship. That's not a bad, it's Model. actually not really a bad, yeah. a bad vibe as a fan, to be no, honest, because the Championship is a mega fun league. It's not at all. But Brentford are making it so, so, so difficult for absolutely everyone that goes there, right? Think about it now. They probably should have won, a, they probably should have beaten Leicester. They deserve to win, I think. Yeah. They probably should have beaten Chelsea. Good value for a draw against Liverpool. Very, Very good, value. good value. The Brighton game was a tricky one. They still had the better chances, I think, in that game and they could have easily won. They deserved at least a point and they were absolutely mega value for that 2-0 win over Arsenal. Yeah. That is hard to, it's hard to overstate, basically, how good they're doing. Yeah. It is really, really impressive from them. They've done a beautiful job. They're so fun to watch as well and like just mad props. Uh, Southampton Burnley 2-all leads a late penalty, salvaging a point against Wolves and uh, Palace had a goal disallowed at the end, probably fairly against Newcastle, but Benteke, Benteke's on one. Yep. He's back. Taking names. 
Kicking ass and taking names. Let's take a break and then let's go to the mainland Europe. Let's do it. I could have just said EU. Ha <laughs> ha, just do it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man. Do you want to start in Spain? Let's do it. Our Classico, Barcelona 1, Real Madrid 2. I thought Barca were a little bit unlucky here. I thought so. I thought they played pretty well. Well, yeah, they, they, I, did, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, yeah. I was, I, was, I, was, I was like, hey, this is good. I was like, this is good. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking, they're not far away from something really quite good, Barcelona, which you might say, oh, they should be with all that money. Okay, fine. At the same time. But they don't have any not, money. Yeah, I know, but the wages, you know, the wage break. But they're not that far away from something really quite good. And the testament to them is Real Madrid ultimately beat them primarily, I think, through experience. David Alaba yeah. in his first Classico to score that goal. That goal was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And all the features, the best things about Madrid in this game, Modric is always quite interesting in matches like this because, you know, the pace that was played at, I mean, that's, that's actually, no, that's, not, that's not fair on Modric because Modric was doing a lot of ground, coming a lot of ground and actually quite high intensity. But the positions he was taking up were quite advanced. So he was like, I'm going to take this game on the front foot a lot more. Um, Vinicius was brilliant again, just stretching. He's, yeah stretching in wide areas. He had an amazing thing and I posted a tweet about it. So how, um, <clears throat> it's one of my favorite things in football, actually. When you see a penalty real time, you're like, that's nailed on. And then you watch the replay once and you're like, it's never a penalty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to Vinicius with, uh, yeah. was it on Garcia? Uh, yeah, Garcia. Mingueza. Mingueza did not have the best game. Or Garcia, actually. I mean, yeah, they didn't have the best game, but also they didn't have the worst game in the world. Barcelona very much should have gone in 1-1 one, one at halftime. So Gino Dest had that absolute howler of a miss. That, actually, just on that miss, I have to say this because it came at a point, it came back to 28 minutes in and it was crucial. And you just mm. saw from the Barcelona players, the response, the bench, everything. It was just like, you know, it's a cliche, but this chance actually looked easier to 
score. And you miss those chances because of adrenaline. You miss them because of just, you don't miss them because you're technically deficient or anything like that. Um, and it was, a, it was really, to be honest, it was a disappointing miss actually because of the way that Barcelona were patiently building play. And the way they were, it was almost like that goal would have been the crescendo and the just reward for the way they patiently imposed themselves on the game, on midfield. They weren't taking wild risks. Busquets was switching nicely. They were getting into position well. They were really structuring. Barcelona were advancing in a very structured way. And then that got that miss happens and it just, you absolutely feel the momentum shift when that happens. Yeah, it's kind of like just uh, like a pin in the balloon, isn't it? Yeah, because it's like, we've done all that hard work and then you're going to be profligate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like, they, um, like the whole balance of play, they, it was it was pretty much even. Steven. I think that happened in the, you know, I think that happened in the Classico, the closed door one, when the, yeah. during the pandemic, where there was a big, big early miss for Barca, similar thing, great start, huge early miss. And the huge early miss was demoralizing because it's like, almost the energy is, you cannot miss chances of that quality against Real Madrid. And you can't. No. There was an interesting thing. Well, first of all, the first the first interesting thing was that um, seven outfield players came through La Masia. The other three were educated in the Netherlands, so it's a very, uh, very Cruyff energy. Make Barcelona Cruyff again. Yes, <laughs> they've still got players like Pedri to come back in, who obviously wasn't a La Masia graduate, but you know, signed for the club very young, and got thrown right in there. But there is a potential for Barcelona to really develop over the next couple of years. They need a coach, though. Yeah, yeah. Actually, for the first time in maybe a decade, probably since Pep, Barca are actually ready to be molded. Yes. For the first time in a long time. A long time. It's there. It's all there for them. Yeah. They genuinely need a coach who can go in there and mold. They need to do it quick because the problem is you're costing players development at crucial points. It's why the Sancho thing makes me really frustrated at United because that's a year of lost development. Same with Donny van der Beek. It's like 27 years old where you're like, yep. you know, you've developed a certain point. You're still developing at that age and it's really frustrating. You're destroying the momentum of players' careers. by having. Yeah. I mean, I think there. basically the thing with the Sancho thing, I know we've already moved on from United, but um, that Ronaldo signing, just the knock-on effects that that's had on so much of that squad um, it and so nuked. much of how United yeah, it play, is. it's yeah, just, yeah. it's not his fault because he didn't, he didn't sign himself. It's a bad tactical fit. Barcelona have like a real chance to do this soon. But the only problem is, I think, with, with Koeman, it's just the financial aspect of it. Like, there were really good moments against Real Madrid. There was an interesting thing where, like, it, looked, it almost looked like Tony Kroos in the first half was man-marking Gavi. Because the only time that Gavi really found space in that first half was kind of when Real Madrid was switching back into defence. Like, it's a transition. The rest of the time... Kroos is super close to him. And I looked at the passing numbers and the, you know, like top touches and stuff at like that half time. And De Jong and Busquets were way, way, way above Gavi. Yeah. And it's really, it's really interesting that this kid is so good already. The same kind of thing is happening. What happened to Pedri is that teams are already, like teams like Real Madrid are developing tactical systems to stop Gavi getting the ball in his first Classico. We saw, this is, we saw it's, it in it's the, wild. Um, we saw it in the Nations League. In yeah. the first half, when yeah, Gavi yeah, was yeah. escaping supervision, they were like, hey, yeah. hang on a minute. And Chiromani was like, we've got to pay attention to this man. And like literally 24 <laughs> hours before, everyone's just like, why is he even playing? Yeah. This is a serious individual, exactly. He's yeah, serious, yeah. man. And yeah. when you got yeah. Pedri back in there as well. Yeah, that's the old, you're right. The ultimate compliment is getting supervision from one of the old heads, yeah. like one of the Modric or Cruz. That's the ultimate, ultimate compliment. Um, Aguero came on, got his first Barca goal. 
But it was a little bit too little, too late, because Lucas Vasquez had doubled Real Madrid's lead heading into the end of the game. One of those, not a bad defeat for Barca. No. I think there are more positives to take out of this for Barca than negatives. I would agree. Because the negatives are already the things we knew. Yeah, right. I would agree with The things we already knew, sorry. It's just nice to see Busquets playing at a supreme level again, frankly. Yeah. Uh, he, He did have some unbelievable moments. Yeah. There were a couple of thrillers in La Liga this weekend. There were a few, actually. Betis beating Rio 3-2. Sevilla beating Levante 5-3. Valencia-Mallorca was fun on Saturday as well. That was a two-all draw. And also Athletic being Villarreal. A 77-minute penalty from Munayin winning the game for Athletic. That's a good win for Athletic because Villarreal have been pretty tricky this season. Good side, yeah. Let's quickly touch on the Sunday night game, which was Atletico Madrid 2, Real Sociedad 2. A brace from Luis Suarez, the second being a penalty, salvaging the point for Atleti. They probably deserve to win Atleti, but Real Sociedad, despite having numerous injury problems this season, have been doing yeah. um, just a really, really tricky football club. We've talked about Imanol. We love Imanol. He's done an amazing job at La Real. The first real big test, maybe, Sociedad. And that's no disrespect in terms of their fixtures. Been, the fixtures have been fairly... Benign. They got that point against Sevilla. That's before we knew how good Sevilla were, actually, isn't it? That's before yeah, and they, they lost they to Barca a 4-2 on the first day of the season. Mm. But remember, they're unbeaten since then, Musa. Yeah. They're unbeaten yeah. since Very August. Impressive. Uh, in all competitions, that's worth adding. Very impressive. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think, I think Simeone will be a little bit uh, frustrated at how leaky Atleti are at the moment. Because that is a consistent theme at the moment. Remember, Real Sociedad are still top of La Liga having played a game more than Sevilla and Real Madrid and Atleti. Not a bad point overall, I don't think. Uh, let's quickly touch on the Marseille PSG. Classic goes everywhere this weekend. It cannot work out how good PSG are. I cannot. <laughs> They're a turbo Man United, actually, PSG. Yeah, that's a great shout. That's a great shout, actually. And it's weird because Poch, Poch is a really good coach. This is the wrong fit because Poch doesn't have the players to play Poch football. We didn't want him to go there though, did we? And like no, Tuchel no. said, uh, there was a lot of stuff that like Tuchel said afterwards about like, you know, how difficult it can be to manage at PSG because you're not just managing the players, you're managing entourages and families. And it's like, you know, he alluded to going to Chelsea and just being able to coach. But the players are there. But we have highlighted that before, like very much the same way with Ronaldo going to United, how like just signing the best players in the world doesn't work. No, it doesn't. doesn't. I think Marseille deserve to win this they're game. Just, they're just better. Just better. Especially after the Hakimi's red card. Which I was a little bit, I thought was a little bit harsh, actually. I could see why it was given, but I thought it was a little harsh. Last man momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't I, know. I, 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 I saw it. It's one of those ones where you're like, you know, I've seen them given. But I, like, think a, yeah. I think it was a. I think it was a a genuine attempt to play the ball, which is why I think it was a little bit harsh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I think that yeah, that feels harsh. But then I think that was within the range of discretion. It's, it's it's one of those reds where you're like, I can see why that was given. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. One of those. One of those. There was a real period where Marseille just started to apply like loads of momentum. Like both sides had the ball in the net in the first half. Uh, Neymar and Milik both given offside. Um, Trinkazunda was doing really well. So good. Nice fit that. I think Marseille probably should have put one of those chances away, especially in the second half. I, to be honest, I think I, I know I know Marseille will probably be kicking themselves afterwards and, and Sam Paoli yeah, looked like should. They should. really frustrated actually at, at points, but it's such a funny league to fig- figure out at the moment because I can't really tell if Marseille should be super disappointed by getting a point at home to PSG. 
I think you should be. If you're, I mean, if you're Sampaoli at this point, I think you should be. You should mm. be because you need to take the points where you can. You need to hit these people when you can because PSG might go on a run. Like, let's say that Ramos mm. comes back. Well, Ramos's injury is just unknown quantity at this point, but Ramos comes back and it clicks into place and PSG go on a run. It's almost like you need to get the points while they're still a bit groggy, frankly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of weird, a couple of really bad moments. I mean, there were some lovely moments before the game, like the, you know, the big TIFO and the kind of the pyro and stuff like that at the Stad Velodrome. Um, Neymar going to take a corner and people with netting that was being moved around the stadium for whenever opposition players were going to take throw-ins or penalty, uh, well, corners, sorry. And then police stood there with their shields up just in case people threw stuff like... And you also had a moment in the second half where Messi is bombing forward and all of a sudden there's a guy on the pitch who's just chasing him down, random guy from the fans. The only thing that really stopped him from getting there was that he... Messi kind of turned and the guy obviously had trainers on, not boots, and he kind of skidded past him. And then by the time he got to Messi, people had managed to stop. They'd, they'd stopped the play and he'd kind of got there. But this is wild. Instances of crowd trouble is happening, happening like every week in France at the moment. It's that player safety thing, isn't it? Because it is. When you, when it you, is. when you're, when you're getting that in the ground, there's also, because it's not just the kind of the fear of what you're getting in the stadium. It's also like leaving the stadium. Like, you know, that's the thing. Mm. Like you're, you're then thinking, I feel unsafe in my place of work. And this might extend to like, you know, you're not thinking ahead, like, like leaving the ground, like, you know, mm. being a bus on one of those roads is a bit of a stress. So yeah, it's not a good, not a good energy. Also, just a quick shout for William Saliba, who made an absolutely unbelievable tackle on Kylian Mbappe, last ditch tackle. Did like a celebration as well after we were talking about defenders celebrations last week, but Saliba is playing really, really well for Marseille this season. And here was just another example of that. Oh, anything else on this game or do you want to shout out? Just elsewhere. I was actually going to shout out to Nice, the victory over oh. Lille. Nice little win, yeah. 3-2. That was a big celebration at the end for them. Um, they needed to pick up some points there. They obviously still have that game to play against Marseille, the, re- the rescheduled game from, <laughs> from some other fan. Yeah, right. Fan problems trouble, at yeah. Nice. Yeah. If Nice win that, they'll go second. PSG were just given too many easy points early on. I think that's going to hurt people, unfortunately. They just gave them too much. Messi still hasn't scored in Liga. No, it's the <laughs> first time he's gone full... Uh, it's the first time he's gone his opening four league games of the season without scoring since 2006, I think. 2005, Goodness. six. Uh, yeah. To Serie A. Oh, my. There were four red cards on Sunday in Serie A <laughs> and every single one of them was for a manager. Has that ever happened before? I don't know. I don't know. But it kept, they kept happening. Like, started with um, Gasparini early on in the day and then Jose Mourinho got <laughs> two yellows. The, the Cobra has well and truly he is well and truly on the Prosecco now. He is, he is just he is on the, he is. everywhere. Every, this last week, he is he threw his players under the bus after the after Thursday in Glimt. And did you see or, when the look on his face when, when he got when he got the red and he got the red? The look on his face is sneer that yeah. He was yeah. back. He was just like wow. I've, he was just kind of like uh, I missed it. Missed there was this. a time when Jose Mourinho would have worn a suit and tie for a fixture like this. A suit and tie. There was, but that is long gone. Those days are long gone. Yeah. He's got big retired dad energy. Jose he does Hill. very much so. Very much. I yeah. have to say this. Roman Napoli says so Napoli's first um, drop points this season. Um, on balance, probably frustrated not to get the victory here. Tammy Abraham, though, with a oh, love, Tammy. Bad miss. Bad uh-huh. miss. Um, you know, there's a thing where I don't know. It's almost it's difficult to say this, but that chance he had. 
you just have to be absolutely obsessed with getting the ball on target. He did well to stay up, actually. That's the thing, to credit to him, class centre forward. But you've just got to be obsessed with getting that ball on target. And you saw the frustration mm-hmm. from him afterwards. Fabian Ruiz with some lovely passing in this game. Just the player I really, really like. Player would have loved at United, actually. Yeah, he's ace, man. Yeah, such a great, such a classy footballer. Yeah, um, but yeah, not a bad result for Napoli. It shows you how wild Serie A is this season, is that that's the first time Napoli have dropped any points this season and Milan are already level on points with them. Yes. You cannot sleep in this league this You season. cannot sleep in this league. Tell you what, actually, big shout out before I forget, Giovanni Simeone, four goals for Verona against Lazio. And it's a, I mean, four goals is just impressive anyway, but a beautiful quartet. This was about as beautiful as the Giroud quartet against Sevilla in the Champions League last year. A gorgeous quartet of goals. Yeah, but on Milan, a great comeback win for them against Bologna, a 4-2. Very impressive. Uh, but the biggest game, of course, we have to talk about is Inter Juventus at the San Siro. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, by the way, sorry, we forgot to mention that obviously uh, Spalletti got sent off. Yes. After Marino uh, as well. And uh, Simone Inzaghi got sent off in this game, I think uh, because of the penalty, arguing about the penalty being awarded, which Paolo Dybala dispatched. Very, very late on. To get a point for Juve after Inter had gone ahead through Edin Dzeko. Who hit the shot onto the bar, though? Oh, Kalanoglu. Oh, the f- yeah, the strike. Wow. Kalanoglu on the bar for the first and came back off and Dzeko put it in. That was a hell of a strike. Yeah, but he's got, he's got a real cannon from distance. Absolute cannon. Um, but again, not the best game in the world. No, but that's how Juve... <clears throat> Juve like that. Yeah, they do really like that. Juve are grinding, they're grinding their way back to some kind of relevance. And these like, a tough, a gritty string of performances from them, actually. I mean, you wouldn't put them on the Silver Highlights DVD for the end of the season, but the point is, is an impressive one, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've not lost since, um, I mean, they, what, they lost two of their opening three, didn't win a game, but they've not lost since that 2-1 defeat at Napoli in any competition. This is the first time they've not won since drawing with Milan at home. They're staring again. But <laughs> this is a run of results. Like a couple of wild ones. 3-2 against Spezia. 3-2 against Samp. And then 1-0 against Chelsea. 1-0 against Torino. 1-0 against Roma. 1-0 against Zenit. one all against Inter. I mean, that's the most Juventus set of results I've seen in a long time. Allegri ball, baby. He's well back, well back, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go to the Bundesliga, a quick shout for Ajax, who have had a pretty good week, sticking four past Dortmund in the Champions League and then sticking five past their old rivals, PSV, on Sunday. Dusan Tadic, or Captain my Captain. What a great move that was for Tadic. Honestly, talk about a, talk about a glow up. Do you, remember when he, do you remember when he left at the time and it was just a bit like, wow, Tadic has gone to Ajax. That's a weird move. And actually... What a move. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. What a lovely place to go and play football, though. When a playmaker gets a platform, because Tadic is, you know, it was actually, there's a similar element with like Dwight York going from Villa to United. Mm. A playmaker or a forward who's brilliant at their club and who's loved at that club, but doesn't really have the kind of the international platform that they're, you know, that's no disrespect to Villa, but Villa at that point, I think it was a different proposition. And I see Tadic the same way, getting to Ajax and just like being the prince of that club. Like mm. that Champions League run they went on was unbelievable. But the fact that he's kind of almost kicked on since then almost, like the way that Ajax have reconfigured now and they're a legit dangerous proposition in the Champions League now, like who's, no one's going to enjoy drawing Ajax in a knockout. No one's going to relish that prospect, right? That's not a thing. 
No, I mean, and he's been he's been instrumental to that. Yeah, instrumental. At a yeah. time when Ajax did have a bit of a rebuild and sold off some players, he stood tall. He stayed there, and they've got another like really exciting Ajax team. And you know him up, you know him in the forward line with Anthony and Haller, and Haller is just looking like Haller is in his bag. He is in his element. It's yeah. just so interesting that that front four all scored on the weekend. I like that a lot. Anthony Berghaus, Tadic and Haller. A couple of assists for Tadic as well and an assist for Haller. And Haller, you know Haller's in his bag because he's not celebrating. You know when you Mm. score a goal, you're just like, yes, are you not entertained? I was like, I like this very much. Remember though, Ajax started the day only a point ahead of PSV. So that's like... Statement victory. So they're four points clear at the top now. PSV are second, Utrecht are third, final to fourth. Shall we go to the Bundesliga? Let's do it. Oh boy. Where would you like to begin? Jude Baggio Bellingham. <laughs> this is a really good win for Dortmund because they've got a lot of people missing at the moment. No Holland, mm. no Guerrero. Then Nico Schultz got injured. Um, Witzel started on the bench. So Emre Chan opened the scoring on a penalty, with a penalty. Uh, and Mats Hummels with an absolute wonder goal, edge of the box, ball drops, and he just volleys it first time into the top right hand corner. Torgan Hazard already has his hands up. <laughs> which, to be honest, clean. I have no idea how, though, because A, it's Mats Hummels. He's volleying it first time on the edge of the box. That's very confident from Torgan. But he saw it. He must be seeing, you know, when you're seeing it in a line. No, he was on a different angle completely. He was so like he out must, wide. So he must have, but he must have known. You could have felt it. Just felt up your it. faith. Yeah. Listen, it's, about, it's all about faith, isn't it? Uh, and then Jude with a lovely Maisie run. The only thing that was a bit annoying about this was the defender cleared it off the line while just behind the line and it got given for, the, for being over the line. But we didn't get to see it nestle. You wanted to be clean, just go all the way in for the aesthetics. Fabian Close got a penalty for Armenia towards the end. Armenia and Greuterfurt are the only two sides of the Bundesliga not to win this season. Greuterfurt, not long for this league. They're not long for this league. No, I mean, they're struggling. They lost to RB Leipzig on uh, Saturday 4-1. Hertha beat Gladbach 1-0. And obviously Bayern hammering Hoffenheim 4-0 earlier on in the day. They're kind of cruising at the moment. Um, Eintracht lost to Bochum. Eintracht are really, <laughs> really they're so strange this season. Yeah. Them and Gladbach, obviously. Uh, Transitional, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. How much longer do you keep saying transitional, I guess, is the question. The Bayern win was such a such a good one, but like their their form has been so, so patchy around that. Stuttgart Union was one all in the day and the derby between Köln and Leverkusen was two two. But I want to wrap up the Bundesliga stuff with a big, big shout to Freiburg. We're more than a quarter way through the season in the Bundesliga. And Freiburg are third. They are the only undefeated side in the Bundesliga this season. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows how much we love Christian Streich. They beat Wolfsburg 2-0 on Saturday in Wolfsburg. They are now just two points behind Dortmund and they're only three points behind Bayern at the top of the Bundesliga and they've got a two-point cushion over Leverkusen now. It cost Mark van Bommel his job. Any surprise? Little bit. That feels a bit quick, to be honest. I, I feel um, it's not often people will say they have uh, sympathy for the hard man Van Bommel, but I don't know. I think they did go, they've won a big slide, Wolfsburg, but this is, this feels early to sack him. I disagree, actually. 
direction of travel just not there. Well, I mean, they beat Bochum on the opening day. They beat Hertha, who really struggled at the beginning of the season. And then they beat Leipzig, who up until a few weeks ago were extremely patchy. And then they beat Greuterfurt. And they haven't won a game since. Um, I thought it was a weird appointment in the per- first place, to be honest. Mm. And that their results were a little bit catfishy in the beginning of the season. Well, I think mm. we might have mentioned it. We were like, they're not actually been playing that well. Yeah, they went in the bad they're run. winning games. They normally, start, they normally start seasons better than they started this season. That's a neither here nor there. But I just, I just felt like, you know, it's always early in a season. And we might be like, it's a really proactive thing to do. He had them playing a similar structure to the 4-2-3-1, the defensive midfield axis. Uh, and this was actually the thing. They didn't have their traditional axis of, I think, Schlager and Arnold, which didn't help. Um, so maybe some more sluggish through midfield. But it did feel slightly early. If you look at their league record, it's not the worst. I think it was 4-1-4. But then again, I don't know, be proactive, I guess. Yeah, but like I say, those four wins all came on the opening four games and they haven't won a game since. That's why I feel a bit, it's a little bit harsh. It's because they, he started out well and could have turned it around, I don't know. Yeah, but like I was saying though, man, I don't think that they were actually, I don't think they were playing that well though. Right, right. The results were kind of masking the performances. Mm. Actually, well, Derek, Derek Gray says it best. The Van Bommel news shows how quickly it can turn. There were many doubts about his appointment. Schmatka not messing about. Next coach will have to fit the club better. Yeah, I think the fit was important. The fit just wasn't really there, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. A deceptively good start, as Derek Gray said, against weaker teams and a good day against Leipzig. It has gone to pot. Wolfsburg have lost what they used to be, resilient, dogged, clinical. They normally start games better than, seasons better than that. That's the thing. Going to be interesting to see a later point. Yeah, very much so. What will the identity be? I guess. Oh man, it feels very like a, we've done a, a very kind of like nitty gritty podcast today. Listen, sometimes you have to do that. Oh. Sometimes it's not all sitcom, Ryan. We've got to come with the hard facts. This is like one of those, in those sitcoms, they have like a hard hitting social issues one. This is one of those hard hitting episodes. Deep on the tactics. Mm. Is it? Listen, I've enjoyed myself. As long as I have, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, what's the next stop on the tour then? Uh, it's, well, I don't know when people are going to hear this, but tonight I am doing that's an Monday, event in the social. Everyone. Monday, yeah. And then that's exciting. So Monday, uh, in conversation with Ian, which is going to be lovely, and a couple oh, of great yeah. poets performing, including four brown girls who write Inyo Ellums, and that's the name of the collective, Inyo Ellums and Nika Shukla, uh, DJ Pierre on the decks, my man, DJ Pierre. Um, and then next Monday, uh, no, and Belfast at the weekend. Wow. Belfast on Saturday and then next Monday in Hackney at Pages of Hackney Bookshop, Bookstore. DJ Tayo is interviewing me for that. So that's going to be fun. Tayo? Yeah, nice. Tayo's there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, cool, cool. And then are you coming home or what? Uh, I am eventually, I suppose. Yep, yep. And then we're back might over s- there together in a couple might, of weeks. Might as well. Do people know about that? Ha <laughs> ha. They don't know about that. Well, no. I mean, they don't need, you know. Just, we're fine. we're, allowed, fine. we're yeah. allowed to go places. We're fine. allowed to go places, yes. We're back, back again in like mid-November. So yeah. Wow. That's this and that's the life. Life of a touring writer. Ah. Well, have fun, mate. Will do. Will do. And uh, I'll see you Thursday. Uh, Shall we get out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated if you can. Don't forget, write his house on Wednesday. Check that. Ringer.com forward slash soccer for all of your soccer needs on the Ringer. Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Um, 
Speaking of which, we're playing out on the hot mix of Today's the Day by Frizzell. What a tune. Which is just such a great collection of words. Indeed Frizzell, it is. Frizzell, Today's the Day, hot mix. Ooh. And uh, yeah, today is the day. I'm not sure for what, but it's the day. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further, Johanna. Nothing further. <laughs> Why do I do this podcast? Yeah. Peace. FML. Much love, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. See you then. Today is the day for the world to be a brighter place. Today is the day for all to see a better place. Today is the day to live as one can draw someone. How can we be sure that tomorrow will bring a brighter day? Life is a dream that we must make reality. Happy it would be for those of us for love, live all day to make someone dear a happy face. Love somebody, yeah. I love somebody, yeah. You got to love somebody, you got to love somebody. is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.